Today, I close the door to the past. Open the door to the future. Take a deep breath. Step on through and start a new chapter in my life. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Under the Cull of MS, uh, MS Deep Dives episode. Today we're just going to talk about, yeah, your life with MS and information I've been given by doctors over the years to help me understand multiple sclerosis a little more and see what I, if any of it's informative or not. So basically, welcome to your life with MS. You or someone in your home probably has multiple sclerosis. Otherwise, you wouldn't be reading information like this. I didn't know anything or give two shits about it until I found out that I got diagnosed with it. That means the whole household is living with MS. You all go to bed with it at night, and you get up with it in the morning. You and your family are at home with MS. Unless you're more like me, I try to hide as much as possible. But you can't hide it. You can't hide all of it. <laughs> I gotta let out breaths and grunts and groans throughout the day, but I try and not do it when people are in earshot. But now it's to the point where I don't even know I'm doing it half the time. And my wife will just turn and start laughing at me. <laughs> because she's a cool hearted woman. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> To be truly at home with MS, there are some qualities you can foster in yourself. MS often brings the prospect of major lifestyle changes. It is easy to be defeated before you begin. The first battlefield is your attitude. Although you don't have control over what has happened to you, you do have control over how you choose to respond to your changing circumstances. You may eventually be surprised at the creative ways you can find to make your life easier. If you decide to learn and grow rather than wither as a result of your experiences. And try things like make a game of living life to the fullest. Plan strategies against your opponent, just as you would in checkers or chess. Relish your victories whenever you win something back that MS has stolen. Make a hobby of your life improvements. You need not become an efficiency or design expert to develop an interest in making life easier. The self-help craze has filled our world with books, articles, radio programs, television shows, websites, podcasts, all kinds of goodies on living with disabilities. Uh, There's lots of doctors out there now giving out great information, like Aaron Booster, or Booster. He's got tons of great YouTube videos about multiple sclerosis, and he's got his multiple sclerosis center down in Ohio, which I hope someday I can go to and talk with him. But and who knows? Maybe we'll do a live podcast that day because he's been enjoying going on MS podcasts. So if I could get down to the center maybe one day, I'd love to sit and talk to him or do a 
Zoom chat with them. We will see what the future has to offer. Uh, there's general household things you can do, hence getting organized, work simplification, interior design, home remodeling, and home repair to make your life and your surroundings easier. The resources can be found. Look forward to enrich, enriching your life through what you can learn. Designing your environment. When you moved into your home, you arranged your things to meet your needs. After a few years, you probably rearranged or redesigned because of your needs have changed. Or you're stuck in a house full of clutter and you can't move. Most homes and things in them are designed for standard size humans with standard physical and mental abilities. But not everyone is standard. New parents baby proof the house and buy baby furniture. If a horse moved in, the modification you'd need would be different. Whether the MS with which you live is a baby or a horse, your first thought when it moved in was probably not to remodel or redecorate, but making changes to your home is part of the game of adapting. So no matter what, you're going to have to change to adapt to your environments or you're gonna live a life wasting energy on extra issues that you shouldn't have to and you could be saving that energy to get you to do something more enjoyable but take those into consideration energy conservation and work simplification uh, fatigue affects everybody but especially people with ms Look at all the things you have in your home, one by one. Ask yourself to answer honestly, do you need it? Do you really want it? Like we've simplified our life, me and my wife, quite a bit over the past probably five years. We've gotten rid of over three quarters of our life. But if yes, keep it. Otherwise, pack it away, give it away, sell it or throw it away. The uncluttered look is a definite plus for cutting down your workload. Also makes it easier to find what you're looking for if you have a visual impairment. Next, think through your activities at home. Ask who, what, where, when, why, and how about everything you do. Who can help with specific jobs? What jobs can, can you eliminate or simplify? Would you be more comfortable doing the job someone, somewhere else? Can you make the location more pleasant? Plan in terms of work centers where you can sit for each of your activities with everything you need handy, easily accessible. Ask for input from everyone in the family. So if they got to use the equipment or the area at all, there isn't no confrontations over stupid things. This process can and should take time. Almost any equipment or installation required by a disability can be tax deductible within IRS rules and gui guidelines. So you can look into that. If you have any major cost events that you do, there may be other resources you can tap as well. But not all changes 
as you will know, are costly. There's lots of things you can do that are cheap or free. Accessibility. Determine how many levels of living space there are inside and outside your home. Identify any potential access problems. Mobility aids need a certain amount of open space to maneuver. Ains, crutches, and walkers need ample turning space. Wheelchairs and scooters have a considerable, considerably wider turning radius. Varies with the design. And some of the newer models are smaller and lighter. Some of the older models are just monsters. So you got to take those into consideration. Doorways and all that, ramps. Consider this factor when selecting an aid. The turning radius is usually specified in the product literature. Improving access fights fatigue, even if you do not use an aid. If you do decide that access to a storage shed, an attic, a basement, or even your second floor is not important or feasible, make sure there is nothing stored in those locations to which you need access. Next, consider accessibility to high and low storage spaces. Furniture, workspaces, and controls. You will need to measure heights. The easy reach zone for most wheelchair users begins about 15 inches or 16 inches from the floor and ends about 51 inches or 52 inches from the floor. Standing, the, the zone begins at knee level and ends a few inches higher than your height. So you're not outstretching your arms and overworking your body. You can put things you use most often within your easy reach zone in each work or st storage area, like your kitchen, bathroom, garage, your study center office, all that stuff. Measure out that zone and figure out how to use it as completely as possible. Leaving those areas outside your easy reach zone for storage of things you almost never need, but you never know, you might need them. Your storage adaptations may include hanging baskets, rolling storage carts, pig boards, hooks, and more. I suggest putting notes on any sealed containers, too, if you have a variety of items in there that you, you definitely, down the road, not going to remember what's in there for sure, and this will help you figure that out instead of having to rip open each one and go through them all. Uh, people with limited balance or vision tend to avoid open spaces, preferring to keep in contact with Walls and furniture. Check walls for low-hanging mirrors or pictures. Make sure furniture is stable. It's like with us living in a basement now, I wanted to put some pictures on the staircase coming down, so I made sure there I have to put my hands on both walls in the dark and all that and go up and down the stairs constantly. So I made sure that the pictures were out of my reach and I wouldn't hit them even in the dark when I Throw my hand up there. Furniture helps define simple or complicated paths of travel through an area. It can be an obstacle or provide assistance. 
plan improved furniture locations or graph paper it out first. Be sure to allow easy access to light switches, electrical outlets, windows, window coverings, and controls such as thermostats. And make sure you have enough electrical outlets in your areas that you need them because that can be really annoying having a bunch of extension cords running across the room and under carpets which trip on and all that stuff so avoid those type of things if you can place the bed away from the walls bed making is much easier this way you'll need four and a half feet on one side for access by most wheelchairs and i hate metal bed frames i don't trust them with my weight and i've broken them and stuff so a long long time ago i just made a two by six bed frame a little bit wider than the standard and we got queen size always i'd like to get a king size bed someday but i just went just over the king size or the queen size and i can always add a two by six to each side to extend it out if i ever do get a queen king size bed but that frame is solid, sturdy, and it's great for storing in the slots in between if you need extra storage space for stuff you may never never need to get to. But you want to still have around. Uh, you could always put a 1x4, 1x6 around it, or you could actually just go with like a 1x10. And that way it would be solid level with the whole two by six and still give you a lip. And that way it would hold the bed uh, box spring into place. So you don't have to worry with it being away from the wall, having it sliding all over the place. That way it gives it a little framing structure to it. But take that into consideration. Handrails need not look institutional. Some are designed by almost invisible or they're designed to be almost invisible, which I don't know if that's really good, because if you don't see it well and you're going to put your hand to it, you might miss it. But giving the impression of a chair rail or a wall design feature. All outside doors should be 36 inches wide. All inside doors should be at least 32. A lot of older homes, you're going to be dealing with 2 foot 8 inch, uh, 2 foot 6 inch style doors the smaller ones back in the day including bathroom and closet doors most doors can be widened a couple of inches by replacing a standard hinges with offset hinges some doors can simply be removed the door frame can also be removed to provide more width some doors can be replaced with curtains if privacy is an issue a sliding door or pocket door which slides into the wall may be an option. They're also known as accordion, accordion doors, uh, folding doors, or another alternative if there is no room for a door to swing open, but they narrow the doorway by several inches. So those are a great option to take into consideration. And if the door cannot be modified, a crank device can be added to a folding manual wheelchair which can briefly narrow the width of the chair, which I've never seen or heard of that before. But you also got to be careful with the railings and stuff because, like, we got a 
going into our basement, just a single railing, but it's a heavy-duty wood railing, but it's got some stupid-ass uh, coating on it. And anytime I come upstairs in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, I'll wash my hands. I will towel them off. But y'all have a little bit of water residue or soap residue on my hand and stuff. And I'll grab hold of that rail and go to take the first step. And all of a sudden, my hand just goes shooting out from under me. And thankfully, I haven't fallen down the stairs yet face first. But I see that coming someday. It just drives me nuts. I don't know why they didn't install a big bulky square post instead of something nice and simple for the hand to grab onto. But install grab bars in the bathroom, bedroom, and anywhere else they would be helpful to you. I've stocked up on these things. I got the a larger and a smaller size. I got multiples of each just because they come in handy. Placement is critical for safety and usefulness. We'll need to consult an experienced rehabilitation, or occupational therapist. In many locales, wall-mounted grab bars must be installed by a licensed plumber. Grab bars are, are available in colors. They don't have to be ugly to work. Uh, bed chairs, beds, chairs, and toilet seats are easier to rise from if they are higher. There are several ways to elevate a toilet seat. The three-in-one commode can be used as a bedside commode, a shower chair, or placed over the toilet as an elevated toilet seat. Other options include a variety of permanent or portable elevated seats with, with or without arms or backs and of different heights. Avoid low chairs, especially if the seats slant back and down. It's like those Adirondacks, they're enjoyable and comfortable, but if you got leg and arm issues, they can be really hard to get out of. And especially if you got bladder control issues and you got to get up quick, there's a good chance you're not going to make it. <laughs> there's a good chance you're going to have an episode before you even get yourself up out of that chair. So take that into consideration. They have those easy lift chairs and stuff like that nowadays. Uh, avoid low chairs, especially the seats slant back and down. If you transfer to and from a wheelchair, try to have all your other seats at the same level. So you just got to slide across uh, from one easily to the other using a sliding board or whatever or rails. This is easier than standing up, turning, and sitting again. High-low hospital beds are a big investment, but have important advantages. Some are available that don't look like institutional furniture. And it's like they say, your, your bed and your shoes are two things you should not skimp on because you spend a majority of your life in those. But those things make sure you get the top quality you can enjoy, and it helps your body in the long run. These beds can be raised to change the bed clothes or to permit a person to stand down from the bed when rising. The bed can be lowered to reduce the risk of injury from falls during occupancy, to allow access to nightstands, or to make for smooth transfers. When selecting a bed, be sure to check maximum, maximum and minimum heights and ease of operation. Basically, you start your life off in a crib and a bed with rails. 
And if you're lucky to live long enough, there's a good possibility you're going to end your life in a bed with rails and basically an adult crib. But remove the doors and perhaps the cabinets under the sink in the kitchen, leaving the cabinets cabinet base in place. Can provide a footrest if you use a scooter with a swivel seat. Cover exposed pipes with insulating material to prevent bumps and burns. If you remodel, consider a wall-mounted sink. Kitchen countertops usually need to be lowered for wheelchair users. This major carpentry job should be carefully planned. Even if you don't use a wheelchair, consider installing at least one low section so you can sit while doing your kitchen work. Hey, I thought we were going to make it a whole episode without a telemarketer. Not today. (laughs) Uh, Raising a desk or table can improve sitting posture and provide a surface on which to stabilize your arms to improve your coordination and reduce tremors. It is often necessary to raise tables and desks to allow allow access to a wheelchair or scooter. Desks, tables, chairs, and beds can be raised by adding wheels, which can also be annoying if you got to lean against them or anything like that, so take that into consideration. Make sure you got locking wheels on them, at least two of them. This improves their mobility, but greatly decreases their stability. Depending on the wheels and the braking system, decide which trade-offs is best for you. I suppose I could just shut up and read the stuff and not give my opinion statement talking about everything. I talk about it after I say it. And I don't want to just drone on just reading and reading. It's like I get some little things in there. But desks, tables, chairs, and beds can also be raised by putting them on blocks. Blocks are commercially available if you construct your own. Be sure the legs sit well down into the top of the block at least one-third of its depth so they don't slip or hop or bounce off it. Blocks can be made of wood or from coffee cans partially filled with concrete and painted to match the decor. Adaptive equipment suppliers and catalogs carry leg extenders, which fit some tables and chairs. High door sills, the edges of carpets or rugs, and other changes in the floor coverings can impede access. Door sills can often be removed. Special little ramps are available in catalogs for unavoidably high door sills. You can grind in and lower your door sills. They have nice flat ones and stuff. But look into that. It's just annoying when they have those big step-ups on everything. It's like our shower for some reason is a few inches above the ground, plus it's got a big step on it. So when you step out of it, you're dropping down further than you would expect, and it's lower than the level that you're standing on in the shower. So that's just completely ignorant, whoever the hell. Whatever carpenter designed this whole house all together, sadly, they're mostly my relatives. Uh, They did a lot of cheap-ass shit in here that they could have done nicely, and it would have lasted. But they didn't take that into consideration. They're all more worried about making a buck off everything. So uh, the thicker the carpet, the more difficult it is to pick up heavy feet or propel a wheeled mobility device over. 
If you got shaky carpet and stuff like that, it's harder to roll around and move in. Wood floor, floors is more of the preferred atmosphere these days, but I'm not into wood floors. And with wood floors, you can deal with slippage also. But they do have some better floors nowadays. Ones you don't have to worry about cleaning and slipping and all that shit. Damage to them. Um, smooth non-skid floors are always best for anyone with mobility problems. All rugs and mats should be firmly secured to the floor with double-sided carpet tape, non-slip backing or matting, and or metal or other edging. Any worn rugs, mats, or carpet should be removed. I don't agree with the metal edging and stuff. That shit can cut ya. It can damage ya. You can stub your damn toe on that shit, and it's like concrete. But stairs can be circumvented by ramps, electric stair chairs, or elevators. Ramps and outdoor grades should not rise more than one inch per foot for safety reasons. Ramps should be 30 inches to 40 inches wide. Stairs and long ramps need sturdy handrails on both sides. And... Yeah, you definitely want it wider than anything that you're going to go up it with it because you don't want to catch an edge. And then if you're all alone or something, some of these, the inclines are too ridiculous. It's best just to use a licensed disabled disability, a licensed contractor with disability knowledge would be the way to go. But for bathtub access, remove tub doors and replace them with shower curtains, which I disagree with. Door will open and stuff, and if you slip and fall, you can grab an edge. Slip and fall and grab a curtain. You're just ripping that curtain off and going down with it. But hey, that's just my opinion. Permanent or portable transit transfer lifts can be picked up, and they will help pick up and move you and put you down almost anywhere. Mounted on ceilings, walls, or wheels. They can provide access to pool or to a tub, to your vehicles, or from bed to chair. Some can be operated independently. You can make your gardens accessible and less fatiguing to care for by building narrow raised beds along sidewalks and driveways. Uh, look for books on container gardening methods. Also consider bottle watering methods. Uh, we talked about the hoses in the past, the leaker hoses and stuff like that. Those are a good way so you don't have to haul a bunch of water and just have something that you can just turn on, quickly waters everything from underground or whatever, and you're done with it. With ease of use, consider the location of wall switches and electrical outlets. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to save that, I think. We'll do a second second section. Or two or three other MS deep dives episodes, probably off this information alone that they gave me for multiple sclerosis. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely take consideration into your environment and look into things that you can make, do to make it as easy as possible. Don't be a clutter bug. Don't keep a bunch of crap you're never going to use, never going to access, you think you might need someday, or might be worth something someday. And all out, honestly, 90% of the shit you buy and you think you're going to 
be able to give to your kids someday and it's going to be worth money or something like that or you're going to be able to sell it down the road. Most of it's not going to be worth anything. It's going to get damaged somehow or some way. Or by the time you decide to sell it, no one's going to give a shit about it. Or you're going to go and sell it and realize that they only made 500000 of those items and there's so many out there no one's going to pay you even a fourth of its original value so you're forking out money for stuff you're going to end up losing in the long run so instead of doing that put your money into stuff that's going to help your life make your life easier and make it more enjoyable stuff you're going to actually use and don't worry about that crap for future inheritance and shit like that let's jump back in time Going back in time. All right. Go back again to 1955. Let's see what else we got here. Some other national news and things. We had a missile with a atomic warhead was tested in Nevada. Uh, remember, this is all 1955, so a lot of this stuff, I wouldn't go back to those areas. They're probably still radioactive. Film star James Dean was killed in a car crash. Albert Einstein dies of heart failure at 76 years of age. It's actually pretty good. Life, uh, life age at that day. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat. Better finish this up. Adolf Kors experiments with aluminum beer cans. Disneyland opens in Anaheim, California. Mouseketeers premiere on television. And the AFL and the CIO